0: Before we come to hear God speak, let's pray together. Our Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for our time together. Father, as we uh, read through your word again and hear you speak, we pray that your spirit would be at work. Father, we pray that He would open our hearts. We pray that He would grow in us a delight for Jesus, a delight for what Jesus promises and brings a delight in the picture that we see here in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. And Father, we ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, have you ever had a similar experience to my lovely wife, Catherine? You see, uh, I love hiking. I love hiking. I love getting out there in the middle of nowhere and just walking a long way. But can you believe it? That's not necessarily Catherine's idea of a good time. I don't don't get it. I can't imagine why she doesn't enjoy walking for hours in the freezing wind and the blazing sun with a, a load on her back and blisters on her feet, sleeping on hard ground and eating beef jerky for dinner. It's great. I don't get it. But the fact is, when she comes on a trip with me, sometimes she needs some motivation. She needs an inspiring picture of what's ahead so that she doesn't turn around and and go back. We're just going to sort out the the hum there. She needs a a reason to keep going, a picture ahead to delight in, a picture that will, will give her delight so that she becomes determined. Now, for you, does following Jesus ever feel like you're being dragged on a long hike through rough terrain, like, like a hard journey. Is a Christian life like that for you? Just a moment. Is the Christian life hard like that for you? Are there things about the Christian life that make you feel uncomfortable? Are there times you feel like you'd be better off not following Jesus, but turning around and going back? Do you ever have doubts that, that what's at the end will be worth all the trouble now? If so, and I suspect that's a lot of us here, if you have those doubts, then Revelation 21 is for you. Here, we have a picture to delight in. A picture that can give us determination. Determination to stick with Jesus. So let's have a look. As I said, you'll need your Bibles open at Revelation chapter 21. And what we witness with the Apostle John, who's writing this, is a vision, a wonderful vision. John sees a vision of the new creation, everything that exists, recreated, And into this new creation, John sees a city coming from God. This city looks glorious and as beautiful as a woman on her wedding day, all decked out in her finest. Here comes the new Jerusalem. And it's a holy city, a holy city, a city devoted to God to be his very own. It's a beautiful vision. And after what we've seen, Along with John, uh, in the book of Revelation so far, it must have been a nice change. All that, those beasts and flesh-eating birds and war and destruction. What a glorious picture. So let's read the first few verses of Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. Verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Well, what's going on here in this vision? What what is this city bride that John is seeing? Well, God tells him what it means. A loud voice booms from the throne room of God, saying, God now lives with humanity. This place is 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 the place where God will settle down with people at home face to face in that 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 close way forever. See God has made a new living arrangement with humanity no more death, no more mourning or pain you see that's that's all old creation stuff in this new home God himself will wipe away everyone's tears. What a marvellous, a marvellous picture of intimacy with God. Let's keep reading from verse 3. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. Or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Sounds almost too good to be true, doesn't it? But no, this is true. John can be sure that this is coming. God speaks again. God says, I am doing this. I am. I am the Lord of history from beginning to end, the first and the last. And I'm offering eternal life, eternal life for free to anyone. Or to anyone, that is, who trusts in Jesus and sticks with him. Because God says, not everyone will get to enjoy this new creation life. It's only for those who overcome, overcome, overcome. Now, the book of Revelation is, has told us how to overcome and what that means. Back in, in chapter 12, we hear that those who overcome are those who resist Satan and his schemes. Resist Satan and his schemes. Those ones who, who stick to Jesus to the end, they overcome. You see, Satan's out there and he's, he's trying a lot of things to stop people being with God. Right? He, Satan tries to scare people. Away from Jesus with persecution. And Satan tries to trick people away from Jesus with false teaching. And Satan tries to he tries to lure people away from Jesus with the temptations of immorality and, and idolatry and worshipping false gods. But Satan, he can be overcome by trusting in Jesus' blood. That blood that that Jesus shed to pay for sin. If you trust in that blood, then Satan's accusations have no weight. He's got nothing on you. You're clean from sin. He can't stop you being with God. By holding on to Jesus, by obeying him, by saying, I'm with Jesus, the devil is beaten. And you can live with God. That's how you overcome. By trusting Jesus to the end. That's how you inherit the new creation. And it's only for those who overcome, says God. Because there's an alternative to overcoming. There's, there's the opposite. There's not trusting Jesus. There's giving up on him. Instead of faithfulness to Jesus, there's faithlessness and cowardice. Instead of resisting temptation, there's indulging in immorality. In, in, instead of holding on to the true message of Jesus, there's believing the lies about him. And God says that those caught up in in these ways, those people will suffer the second death. That is eternal death. In God's new creation home, you're in or you're out. And it all comes down to whether you trust Jesus' blood. Let's look at these alternatives in verses 5 to 8. Read on with me, verse 5. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all this. And I will be his God and he will be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters and all liars, their place will be in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. And so this great announcement from God, from heaven, ends. But then John... John gets taken on a guided tour of the new Jerusalem. A guided tour. A guided tour of glory. Because what John sees is the brilliance, the shining brilliance of God's glory. And his, his angel, tour guide, uh, calls the city the bride again. The bride, the wife of the lamb. And this phrase means it's about people. People. Being there, It's God's redeemed people. It's the church in its final perfect form. That's the bride of the lamb. This is a place for God's people to live. But it's God's people shining with the glory of God, with his presence. His presence displayed for all to see. Let's keep reading from verse 9. Verse 9. The tour continues with a look at the architecture of the city. John sees walls and, and gates and, and foundations. New Jerusalem has a high wall. This city is secure. And the New Jerusalem has 12 gates, each gate with an angel of its own, and over each gate is written the name of one of the tribes of Israel. See, this city is a city For all of God's faithful Old Testament believers. Everyone who trusted God's promise of the Messiah. And this New Jerusalem has 12 foundations under the walls. These foundations also have labels. This time it's the names of the 12 apostles of Jesus. You see, this city is also a city for all of God's faithful New Testament believers. It's a secure city, a city for all of God's people throughout the ages, all built on the work of the Lamb. Read read verses 12 to 14 with me. Verse 12. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south and three on the west the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb the tour continues the angel uh, takes out his measuring tape and starts sizing up the city and he's doing that to demonstrate something to John he's he's showing John that this city is the right home for God and his people the very shape and construction of this city shows that it's it's custom built it's it's tailor-made. It's the perfect fit for God to be with people. And it turns out it's, it's a big, beautiful cube. A cube. Now, this cube reflects the design of the Holy of Holies in the Old Testament temple. The Holy of Holies was the, the innermost part, the inner, inner sanctum where God dwelt on earth. And this this place in the middle of the temple in the Old Testament was a place only one man, the high priest, only one man could come once a year. The book of 1 Kings in chapter 6 in the Old Testament tells us that this holy of holies, this holy place, was a 20-foot cube. That's where God dwelt on earth. That's where one man went in once a year to worship God. And that Old Testament Holy of Holies, well, that's just a tiny reflection of God's new dwelling place. This cube that John sees is 12,000 stadia to a side. That's that's over 2,000 kilometres in our measurements. But it's the number 12 in this measurement that rings bells. It's the number 12 representing God's people. This is a massive space. And it's all designed to hold God's people. It's a holy place. Perfectly sized for God's people with enough space for all. And it's beautiful. It's beautiful. The foundations of the wall are encrusted with jewels. But they're not just there to make the city look beautiful. Again, there's there's another reference to the Old Testament temple with these jewels. You see, in the Old Testament, the high priest wore a breastplate with 12 precious stones on it. And on each one of those precious stones was carved one of the names of the tribes of Israel. So the, the high priest would put this breastplate on with all his other garb, and he would come into the Holy of Holies. And as he came into the Holy of Holies, it was like he was bringing the names of all of Israel's tribes into God's presence. It was, it was like all of Israel was worshipping God along with him. But now in this city, this new Jerusalem, these precious stones with the names of the apostles, these precious stones hold up the whole city. The whole city. God's people worship God everywhere in this city, all the time. Not just one man once a year, everyone. All the time. So on this guided tour of the city, the architecture is saying, here is a place for all God's people to be in his presence, continually worshipping him. It's beautiful and it shines and, and it looks lovely, but moreover, it's a place where God lives with his people. It's a place where God's people worship him. It's a perfect fit. Let's see the angel measuring up in verses 15 to 21. Verse 15. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it, is, as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length, and as wide and high as it was long. He measured its wall and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious stone, the first foundation with jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth and the twelfth amethyst. Whew. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. A glorious, shining city. A place where God meets with man and man worships God. And God and Jesus fill this place. God's presence with the people will be so near that John can say, well, God and the Lamb, they are the temple. They are the place where we meet God. There's no need for any one place, any one temple building in this place. God's presence fills the whole city. That's why it's so bright. It needs no other light. And God's presence banishes darkness and brings security. Those gates of the city, they'll never be shut. And kings and nations of the world stream into God's light, into his city. Like the prophet Isaiah said in the Old Testament, Isaiah of Israel would be a shining light for the nations, attracting them in. And here are those nations coming in. And after all this, God gets the glory. He gets the honour. Because everyone sees that his plan of salvation were for the nations, not just Israel. God's plan of salvation is for everyone. But again, it's not a free-for-all. There are some who are shut out of this city, tragically. God calls them the impure, shameful, and deceitful. This is language, again, that describes people who don't stick with Jesus. You see, the impure, well, they haven't washed in the blood of the lamb. They haven't been cleaned of the impurity of sin. And shameful, the the shameful engage in shameful acts like immorality and idolatry. And, and the deceitful, those, this is those who have believed the lies. They've followed that beast of falsehood. They've followed those lies and told lies about Jesus themselves. There is no place for these people in the New Jerusalem. There is an entry requirement. Your name must be in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb's list of his people, it's like it, it, at the door of this New Jerusalem, there's a bouncer standing guard. He's got a list and he's asking you, Are you with Jesus? There is an entry requirement. Read with me verses 22 to 27. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And finally, on his guided tour of the city, John sees that this is a place of life. Life. Like the Garden of Eden, but even better, a place that will never be ruined by sin again. The curse from, from way back at the beginning of, of the Bible Uh, from genesis chapter 3 that curse will be gone forever no no more sin no more decay no more death and what will god's people do in this wonderful eternal garden city what will god's people be doing filling their days with will they be lounging around in white dresses playing harps no no there's a god to serve There's a new creation to reign over. There's a celebration to be had with the Lamb. It's worship that they will be doing. Serving God, loving him and enjoying life with him. That's what Jesus' people will do. So this is the new creation where God lives with people and people worship him. Let's read the rest of this passage from verse from chapter 22 and verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. It's almost indescribable and glorious. Uh, You know, what more can I say? What a glorious future for God's people. Life in God's new home. A place with no death or sadness. A place shining with God's glory. A a place of security for believers. A place tailor-made, a perfect fit for, for people to live with God and to worship him an intimate place of eternal life. But it's not just an eternal cruise, is it? It's, it's eternity serving and worshipping God. But we've also seen it's, it's only for those who overcome, only for those who trust in Jesus' blood and stick with him, those who keep going. This is a passage that gives motivation. And the first people who read this and heard this, the the believers in the first century church, they desperately needed motivation. Facing persecution, false teaching all around them, infiltrating their church, the lure of, of sexual immorality and idolatry from their pagan culture around them. All of these things threatened to stop them trusting Jesus. Here, John's vision shows them if they stick it out with Jesus, one day they will be home in the new creation, without persecution or lies or, or sin, without death. And best of all, with God, enjoying full and open relationship with him, face to face, worshipping him forever. What a glorious future for that church. John's vision gives the first century church motivation to overcome. If they keep going, it will be worth it. Well, if the first century church needed to hear this, friends, don't we all the more? Brothers and sisters, we need that same motivation. Persecution, false teaching, immorality. The same dangers are here with us in Sydney, 2016. It's, it's not easy to stand up, is it, and say, I'm with Jesus. It's not easy to call out false teaching and, 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 and say what it really is, lies about Jesus. It's not easy. It's certainly not easy to be the voice in our society saying, God actually has standards for sexual morality. That's not easy, is it? Do you feel the pressure, the pressure to give in and and give up? Or maybe you just feel a sense of tiredness in the Christian life. Maybe you feel disappointment with God. Or maybe you're feeling attracted and wooed by worldly comforts. Friends, these are dangers that threaten to keep us outside of that new creation. These are dangers that threaten to to sap us of our energy to follow Jesus. And so we'll be kept outside the walls of that glorious city, away from God. So we need to see this vision with John. We need to hold on to it. And we need to be blown away by it. We need to be motivated. It comes in two ways, I think. We need to delight in this picture, just to enjoy it and love it. We need to delight. And we need that delight to to grow in us a determination, a strength of will to keep going. Delight and determination. First of all, delight in this. God will live with you. God will live with you. God wants to make this eternal home a perfect fit for you and him. What an incredible thing. It should fill us with wonder throughout the timeline of the world from the days of Eden through through the the whole history of Israel through to the Saviour Jesus and his church. God is working all things so that he can make a new home with you. With all of you. All of that so that you and I might live with him. This thought should be our number one joy, more than anything else. God wants me with him in eternity. Let's delight in it more and more. Let's, let's take time to just enjoy that thought. Let's think about it. Let's talk about it. Let, let that delight kind of come out of you in your speech with people here at church, but indeed with people outside these walls. People who don't know this picture yet. Do you delight in this picture? What else could be better? A free offer of eternal life with God, where all the problems of this life are gone. What better off is there? What better uh, better offer is there? Friends, we can't be lukewarm towards Jesus. We can't be half and half when this offer, this vision is there before us. And friend, if you're not a Christian here this morning, what more could God offer you? What more could there be? What better thing could there be than this new creation? You can be in this delightful place. Turn to Jesus, follow him and you will be there. Stop looking for security in this world. Find security in that forgiveness that Jesus' blood brings. Let's delight in this picture. And secondly, friends, we need to be determined. We need to be determined. This vision says, keep going, it's worth it. We need that determined attitude in all of life. We need a mind that remembers, I will be there in that new creation because of Jesus' blood. So when persecution makes you feel like a fool, remember you you will live secure with God in the new creation. When false teaching comes along and you feel a bit attracted by that or you feel embarrassed by what the Bible says, beware. There is no place for falsehood in the new creation. When you're tempted just to give in to sin, whether it's sex or money or or anything but Jesus, think of the eternal enjoyment that God is offering you in the new creation. God offers you infinitely more than anything in this life. We'll need to be determined. We are made to worship God. And we'll need to be determined to worship him. Let's replace every idol in our lives with obedience and love for Jesus. See, worship isn't just how about how we sing or pray or how we meet together here in church. That is a part of it, yes, but... Worship is the way that we fight the devil every day. They say uh, uh, the best defence is a good offence, so let's go on the offence to overcome the devil. Let's trust and obey Jesus. That's our best offence. Fight persecution, falsehood and temptation with faithfulness to Jesus. Determined faithfulness. It'll be worth it. You might feel like giving up. You might feel like giving up now. Maybe, maybe you already have. Maybe you no longer call yourself a Christian. Friend, I pray that John's vision will reignite your heart and give you new determination. One day you could be standing there, looking God in the face, in his new home, clean, beautiful, secure. Friends, keep going. It is worth it. Let's pray. Father God, Almighty God, we ask you now that you would give us a clear vision and ignite our hearts. Help us to see your promise of a new creation clearly each day. Help us to delight in it and to be filled with determination to press on to that goal. We thank you that you have worked through all of history to create a new home with us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus and the work of your spirit in us to wash us clean. We pray you would help us to worship you now in preparation for our eternal lives in your presence. And we pray for anyone here who doesn't yet know the joy of this promise. May your words shake them and bring them to faith in Jesus, so we may all share in the new creation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.